you don't really hear people having conversations at barbecue about how easy and awesome it was in doing the tax each year. But for most people, it's actually pretty simple. It doesn't take very long at all because there's an enormous amount of data sharing and work that goes on that pre-populates people's tax returns and makes it a wonderful experience. Um, wonderful, you know, you're still paying tax. but um, <laughs> As wonderful as it can be, Andrew? <laughs> that's, that's right. That is a government service that is underpinned by really effective use of data. Hi, I'm Christy. I'm Adam, and you're listening to The Foil Podcast. Where we talk about the opportunities and the risks of the data age. What it means for you and what it might mean for us all. Andrew Lawler, welcome to The Foil it's a great moment in time for people who are passionate about data and committed to using data to benefit Australia. We're really delighted to have you here talking with us about the Australian Data Strategy. You're the Assistant Secretary for Data and Digital at the Prime Minister and Cabinet. Of course, we know that is a big role and you're very busy with all the work you're doing, talking with so many different people about the Australian Data Strategy and all of the initiatives. But before we get into that and talk about the strategy and the benefits for the broader economy and for Australian people and governments, can you tell us about your journey, how you came to be in this role and doing this amazing work right now? Yeah, thanks. And wonderful to be with you. I really appreciate the opportunity. I feel quite privileged. I've had a career-long interest in data. Uh, that started right back in my initial training in banking and finance, and then just working in job after job that just simply relied on good data to make good decisions and to implement the government's commitments. Previously, I had the opportunity to lead and grow data activities uh, for an Australian government department. And in doing that, um, I really learned the value of good data management and governance. And I'm happy to talk about that at length if anyone gives me the opportunity. But also the need to be highly effective uh, in bringing analytic insights forward that allow effective decisions to be made. And as you mentioned, now I work at the Department of uh, the Prime Minister and Cabinet, where I look at the public data system as a whole. And I work with others to make sure it's advancing so the government's well-placed to continue improving outcomes for Australians, which is a wonderful privilege. By making um, and using data well, the government has the opportunity to make decisions and deliver services to Australians of every age, no matter where they live, whatever their background or their future ambitions. But taking advantage of that opportunity means we need to focus on some specific things. Australian government generates a lot of data as a result of its activities, and that needs to be managed well, just like any other important asset. And of course, it won't be a surprise to anyone that we anticipate that the use of data by government and in the broader economy will just continue to grow exponentially. The government relies on access to data from other sources, such as state governments, the private sector and elsewhere, so we can do our jobs well, just as those stakeholders rely on access to data managed by the Australian government. And of course, in many cases, the value of that data increases significantly when it's linked, whether with other data we hold or data held by others. And how we use data is important. If data is not being used to make people's lives better through better service delivery or through more effective and targeted policies delivered in a more thoughtful way, then we're probably doing something wrong. And of course, we need great capabilities to be able to do all of those things with data. But uh, we also need to think about treating people's data with respect through consideration of ethical and appropriate use of data, keeping it secure, being mindful of privacy, 
and engaging meaningfully with people about what all those activities involve. And with all of these factors in play and many more, it's important for the government to explain how it engages with data and the factors it takes into account when it does so. And so I guess all of that really set the context for why it would be valuable to have an Australian data strategy. And I remember the first time we met when you were doing some early stage consultation for the draft strategy, which you released in the middle of December. And I was really excited and inspired to understand from you and your team, as you were developing the strategy, you really were about looking at how data can make lives better. And you talked about how, you know, you've been on this journey for such a long time and how personally you'd seen this vision for how data can make lives better for Australians. Can you talk about, was there a moment in time where, you know, you thought we have to do this and you worked toward corralling all of those incredible stakeholders that you get to work with day in, day out toward where we are today? I have, in part of uh, this job I have at the moment, the tremendous opportunity to work right across the Australian Public Service and with all state and territory governments. And it's wonderful seeing all these people being uh, united in the same sort of ambition. And that ambition has a much greater opportunity of being successful if everyone has the opportunity to be aware of what others are trying to do, but not just the people um, busy involved trying to do the work. Um, it's also important to be open and transparent to others about what all that activity involves. And, and there is a tremendous amount of activity within every government um, using data well, bringing uh, informed decisions together, including when you know our economy is becoming more complex and the issues that governments are facing becoming more difficult. Why wouldn't we be using data much more effectively to make much better decisions, using the taxpayers' money really well, and uh, being open with the public about how all that occurs? So, can you paint us a picture? What does the future look like because of the Australian data strategy? What is the vision? What are we looking forward to in the next 10 years because of the work that's happening now? So, this work really sort of emerged as part of government's broader work on its whole of economy, digital economy strategy. And as part of um, that work, the government commissioned this uh, first data strategy last year. And what it does is sets out a vision to become a modern data-driven society. And it outlines a national approach to data as a key driver of our future economy. And it does that by looking at both um, data use by government um, and in the broader economy um, uh, throughout society and corporates and the like. And in doing so, it supports the government's broader digital economy strategy, which um, has set Australia on a path to be a leading digital economy and society by 2030. The Australian data strategy itself is about um, effective, safe, ethical and secure use of data as an important tool for businesses, individuals and the non-government and government sectors. And the government's vision is to create a mature and well-positioned data system in Australia that will deliver benefits for all Australians. The strategy itself has three broad themes. Um, so they are uh, maximising the value of data, which is about explaining the benefits of what a robust data ecosystem looks like, the need to break down various barriers from preventing optimal outcomes and explaining the data life cycle. The second theme goes to trust and protection 
which is about keeping data safe through data hosting, improving our understanding of cyber threats, exploring the way our partner agencies keep data safe, and earning and maintaining public trust through transparent engagement, maintaining uh, focus on privacy, uh, and also being accountable uh, when mistakes do happen. And the third theme goes to enabling data use, uh, which goes to issues like data integration, building skills and uh, capability to use data well, uh, engaging with um, our counterparts, um, including overseas, um, and of course, good data management. But probably the most important thing about the strategy itself is that it's an attempt to really engage with the public in a meaningful layman's way about what data is and how the various components of uh, quite a complex system interact. This strategy also um, explores the importance of data to our economy. And um, we've, I've made some comments already about um, you know, broadly how governments use data to make good decisions and deliver you know, exceptional services to citizens. Um, but of course, innovative data use and analytics can help businesses design and develop new products, services, business models. It can sp spark the creation of new industries. Data-driven economic growth will support um, job creation, uh, certainly, probably across most industries. Uh, so the strategy is supported by an action plan of activities to, uh, to support Australia's data ecosystem um, uh, with that action plan setting out um, a range of actions under four broad topics, um, which is about developing the data assets and underlying infrastructure we'll need to drive better and more effective service delivery, um, uh, building a modern data system, uh, and importantly, also the guardrails for a modern data system, and uh, also uh, intends to make data available when it's um, safe and secure to do so, and maybe we can um, explore some more of that a bit later. I've got to say, as I was reading the Australian data strategy in its draft form, it really did strike me the approachability of it you know, drafted for a, a more general audience, which I thought was really great. So for everybody who's listening, go and check it out. There are some excellent call outs and case studies, things to really kind of make it real for people. And you mentioned the action plan as well. I'm really keen to know because it does paint an expansive vision for Australia as a leading data-driven economy. What is the strategy going to do to help us reach that vision? As you would expect, you know, there is an incredible number of data activities underway, even if we're just sort of focusing on those owned by the Australian government. Um, I might um, do, uh, just jump into two of those in particular, if you like. Um, uh, so one of the initiatives is to um, create a front door for Australian government data because we want to make it easier for people to access data that's managed by the Australian government. M much of the data that um, the government um, uh, looks after is created as a result of its dealing with citizens or um, businesses or the economy and um, vast amounts of that data are not sensitive and are wholly appropriate for others to access. Um, so the government has laid out some initial funding to um, improve the data.gov.au website and the intent for that website is for it to become a single front door for users seeking to discover and access Australian government data whether that data is uh, openly available or whether it might be um, made available on other terms in controlled, secure environments. 
uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics is leading that work. Um, but as you would expect, um, it will involve a range of different um, initiatives and players all coming together to meet that that um, long-term ambition. Another initiative that I, I might dwell on is the National Disability Data Asset. And what this aims to do is uh, provide insights about the experiences of people with disability and ultimately to develop better and more personalised services for them. So this is not just an initiative of the Australian government, but also of um, the state governments as well. And and the ambition here is to work towards bringing together linked and shared data to provide a better understanding of how people with disability, which is actually one in six Australians, um, how they're supported through services, payments um, and programs across multiple service systems. And you really need to engage with all of those systems to uh, understand the course and the um, journey that people go through and, and, and what's ultimately going to work for them more effectively. Um, so that data assets just coming out of its pilot stage, uh, an immense piece of collaborative work um, across the Australian uh, and state and territory governments. But I think one of the things that's really special about this initiative is, is how it was guided through its pilot phase, including through um, a disability advisory council formed as part of the assets governance structure. And so that council was chaired by the Disability Discrimination Commissioner, which meant that um, it brought expertise in disability policy, data advocacy and experience of people working in a wide range of people with disability. Um, and so it was people deeply affected by the initiative who were helping guide how it came together. And a very complex and incredible piece of work. We've heard about that project uh, out of uh, the pilot project anyway that Premier and Cabinet in New South Wales were driving. Of course, we're really delighted to hear about the engagement of disability advocates and people in the development of that data asset. Question, I guess, that we often hear with the people that we work with, how will that data asset be made available to communities? That's been um, part of the discussion right from the very start of the initiative. Certainly when you're thinking about bringing such a complex and you know, magnificent um, uh, data asset together, um, you can imagine that there are a whole range of different users. Uh, yes, uh, of course, each government could have you know, access to much more useful data to make good decisions. There are providers in the system who can access data to implement their services much more effectively, but also people with disability, you know, who are, you know, the data is about. And in fact, in many cases, it's actually their data. And the ability to have access to that data in a connected up way where that data might be managed by a host of different organisations is tremendously powerful. It also requires a fair bit of thought right from the start about how you effectively make that data available to people in a way that is meaningful for them so that they can generate value from it when we are talking about quite complex data. I agree. And I love the fact that you use the word magnificent because for folks who are in the data world, we understand truly how magnificent that data asset is for benefit of communities. There's no question about that. So obviously trust is really important in this strategy and, and how you deliver the strategy. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by trust. I mean, the strategy outlines, you set the guardrails for a modern data economy, which you've spoken about, by ensuring we have a robust and modern cybersecurity and privacy settings and giving Australians better visibility and control of their data. So what do you mean by trust and how do we earn and improve trust? 
I mean, I think this is an excellent question, and Australians are right to expect that data held by governments should be managed with appropriate privacy, sovereignty and security protocols. The Australian government has made significant investments to safeguard the security and privacy of data that's held by the government in particular. And maintaining trust in government and its use of data is just really simply complicated by a faster and more diversified flow of information across the society. And that complex environment means that good policy design by itself might not be sufficient to build, maintain or restore trust if um, some are suspicious of the process or you know, can't readily see the benefits of all of that um, complex activity. So the government is committed to being transparent about how it uses Australians' data, including as we develop um, more personalised service delivery. Obviously, many Australians would expect governments to tailor services uh, to some degree, and, and recent studies indicate privacy is the leading consideration when um, citizens are choosing to download an app or program, even ahead of quality, convenience and price. And being transparent about what data is collected and used helps Australians better understand what we intend to do with their data and why. Uh, another survey found that Australians experienced problems with how their personal information was used in, in the 12 months to 2020, including unwanted marketing communications or information being collected unnecessarily. And, and so the government takes these types of views very seriously. Citizens uh, are getting greater control of their data through the consumer data right, which I'm happy to go into a bit later, and through the um, Privacy Act review, where the government's seeking to ensure that privacy settings empower consumers, protect their data, and, and, and best serve the economy going forward. And it's also about ethics. So the Australian government works to embed integrity and ethical considerations in its operations and we do this in a range of ways. We articulate these values in the Australian Public Service Code of Conduct. We embed them in our workforce culture and we ensure continued application of ethical processes and practices by monitoring and, and identifying ways to um, or how we engage with new technologies like machine learning. It's not just all high-level ambition. Um, in 2019, the secretaries of all Australian government departments committed to six principles to earn and maintain trust with the public about its use of the data, which goes to things about being accountable, which is, you know, planning for issues and being honest about mistakes, um, thinking about the benefits and communicating them in a way that um, people care about, um, being respectful so that we engage with citizens and willing to act on their advice, not not just what we think is the best idea, being transparent um, and, and, and adopting that approach by default. Um, having appropriate protections so that data is safe and secure and we can explain to people how we do that. And But it's also about use, um, using and reusing data assets uh, in a way that deliver public good. And as a government, of course, that's what you would expect us to do. I agree. And it's very much on the agenda for so many people. Five years ago, we weren't really talking about trust in data at the barbecue, around the table, out at dinner, but now we're talking about it. Is there a trust deficit? There's always an opportunity to continue to improve trust in these activities, um, particularly when people are more likely to remember some things that didn't go as well as possible and maybe just absorb the things that go really well. You, know, you don't really hear people having conversations at barbecue about how easy and awesome it was in doing the tax each year. But for most people, it's actually pretty simple. It doesn't take very long at all. Um, and the, the, the main reason why 
is because there's an enormous amount of data sharing and work that goes on that pre-populates people's tax returns and makes it a wonderful experience. Um, wonderful, you know, you're still paying tax, but... Um, <laughs> as wonderful as it can be, Andrew? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. I mean, uh, I mean, another service that um, most people just sort of take for granted, but still a government service involving a fair bit of data is you go to the doctor and, you know, shortly after, you know, there's a Medicare refund back in your bank account. That is a government service that is underpinned by really effective use of data. And so sometimes it's like, like I said before, you know, being a little bit more obvious about some of the benefits and public good is important to be obvious about those and talk about those as, as part of the government's um, goal to earn that trust from the public. Yeah, and including when the conversation might more readily um, stray to things that, you know, occurred three years ago that, that, you know, wasn't the best thing with data. But there's probably millions of wonderful things that have happened since. Indeed. And I, I think certainly there are a number of other compounding factors, aren't there? There's, there's misinformation and the issues related to misinformation in the digital world. There's also concerns around privacy that you raised before and cybersecurity. So um, can you talk about what is in the strategy to address some of those concerns? Most of what I've run through is those approaches that are taken by government. But there are a range of new initiatives that are coming through that govern how government will do its work and deliver better outcomes uh, for the Australian people. And, and I might just run through three uh, initiatives in particular, um, the data availability and transparency legislation, um, an intergovernmental agreement on data sharing and the consumer data right. So the data availability and transparency legislation um, sort of recognises that um, complex laws um, and systems that have built up over decades can prevent data sharing entirely or create a risk-averse environment that discourages data sharing. And as I mentioned before, um, often data needs to flow from one place to another to really generate significant benefits for citizens. And so what the, the Data Availability and Transparency Bill seeks to do is create a preferred pathway and a safe and reliable and understood pathway for sharing public sector data, ensuring it's accessible, sharing is safe, consistent and streamlined. I mentioned the Intergovernmental Agreement on Data Sharing. So this recognises that there is particular immense value that can be created when data flows between the Australian government and state and territory governments. Uh, this has been really evident throughout the pandemic and um, and the National Cabinet has sort of identified the need for data to support their decisions to the extent where they wanted to formalise it through the leaders calling out the need for an intergovernmental agreement on data sharing, which they signed. So each of the premiers and the prime minister in July 2021. So what it does is calls out that there is that immense value in data being that's held by one government can be tremendously valuable to another for policy, service delivery, or, or all sorts of decision making. And and under this agreement, governments have agreed to work collaboratively to share public sector data between themselves by default, and to be responsive to data requests and to share data unless there's a, a particularly legitimate reason not to. Um, and it's not just a broad ambition. There is a work program underneath the agreement that brings uh, the agreement to life. Um, it identifies uh, a range of agreed priority areas of national interest um, and also uh, con 
uh, aims to continue to uh, improve the, the Commonwealth state data sharing system. Uh, and so in, in implementing the work program, we have uh, teams of uh, cross-jurisdictional project teams coming together with policy and data expertise to progress work program initiatives um, using multidisciplinary approaches to remove barriers to effective data sharing, whether it's going to family and sexual and domestic violence through to um, supporting emergency management uh, and road safety. And the, the last initiative I mentioned, the consumer data right. So this is an economic reform designed to fundamentally change how Australians engage with and benefit from data. Of course, households and businesses generate a huge volume of data in their modern lives. When people pay for goods and services electronically, managing their bills or mortgages and uh, even using metered energy services and, and banks and energy providers hold this data as part of delivering their products and services to those individuals and, um, and business consumers too. So what the consumer data right does is gives people the right to share their data between service providers of their choosing. So it's now active in banking. So that means that people can choose to share their banking data with a prospective bank to get a better offer or um, with an app to access a new service. And that consumer data right creates the secure infrastructure for easy and safe opt-in consumer data sharing. So it's overseen by the government um, through rules, but it's explicitly consent-based which means that if consumers choose to use the consumer data right, they choose what data is shared, for what purpose, for how long, and as you would expect, um, strong privacy safeguards uh, are built into that system uh, to make it work as consumers would expect. Such an interesting piece of legislation, the consumer data right, and it was so transformative to the ways many people thought about their data as we watched it roll out through the initial phases of the open banking changes that took place. And we saw a number of young businesses spring up to take advantage of that new environment and really use the opportunities for consumers to have better access and control over their data in new and innovative ways. It was such a terrific initiative. And so I think it's going to be really interesting as well to watch how that consumer data right starts to uh, make waves in other industries too. Dr. Ian Offerman, the chief data scientist of New South Wales, he speaks often about some of the barriers that he's encountered or have heard be encountered as he's trying to establish and, and move forward with projects for sharing data in particular is, is a major challenge. It's no surprise that there is these frictions around sharing data given the legacy risk-averse environment that you mentioned. He speaks about those challenges really summarized in three key pillars. There's the unwilling, as in there's no desire to share. Then there's unable. We don't have the skills. We don't have the technology. We don't have the time. And then there's the not allowed. And that's not legally permitted to share that data for any purpose, even if there is a, an enormous public benefit. So I think there's a few ways in which the DAT bill you've just described in the consumer data right, it's going to be really transformative in that respect. I really like those those three topics for me and having encountered all of them in one way or another in my travels and almost every day in my current job. It is frustrating, um, but it is great to have a range of initiatives that are chipping away at each of those um, to generate that value we've been talking about. The Australian data strategy, it deliberately places a foot not just in government, but also in, um, in community and in people and citizens and businesses in Australia. And that 
invites questions about, you know, what is the envisaged community involvement with data that the strategy contemplates? What are people using data for that this strategy wants to encourage and build upon? What's happening in community with the data that will be, you know, made more available? It's quite obvious that data that's managed by the government is used by a whole range of people across all sectors and as we've been talking about even other governments etc so the you know the private sector uses government data to capitalize on economic opportunities generate income profit the not-for-profit sector uses data to identify issues with existing policies and generate an evidence base to lobby for change you know to improve the lives of those in their their areas of interest and the government and research sector have strong data sharing partnerships to allow researchers to better understand problems and opportunities and generate op- op- um, insights to um, unlock those new opportunities. Um, governments at all levels use data to inform policy, deliver better services and outcomes, and even uh, overseas entities require data managed by Australian governments to identify opportunities for trade, uh, understand synergies in our various economies and, and formulate partnerships. But as you said, you know, there's there's so many opportunities for um, communities um, too. And um, obviously just so much data that can support good development at the community level. And um, uh, you know, that, that data is going to come from a whole range of sources. It, it, it will come from the Australian government, uh, but also um, state and local governments as well. Um, data that's going to be valuable to communities will be generated through corporates and not-for-profit sector. And, you know, of course, there's immense data that just relates to the, the natural and built environment as well. And and as we've been talking before, you know, it's, it, it's incredibly value when a range of that different data comes together in unique and compelling ways um, that can generate um, immense value for local communities, you know, whatever their particular ambitions or areas of interest might be. Taking advantage of that opportunity really does mean that communities, you know, need better access to data, but they also um, need to have the wherewithal to ask the right questions of that data and 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 use the data well. Um, and, and quite often when I'm thinking about um, using data well, I, I think about three analytic realms. What's happening now? Why is it happening? And what might happen next? Or what might happen if something changes? And in each of those three realms, you know, different type of data is is useful. Um, different tools and techniques are, are, are more valuable. And um, of course, um, people need the right sort of capabilities um, to um, generate the right kind of value in each of those domains well. And um, the kind of capabilities you need to sort of generate, you know, really quick insights into what's happening now that um, respond to the needs of consumers are, are quite different to the, uh, or, or communities are quite different to being able to tell stories with data to explain why those why, why those facts are happening. And again, you need quite different capabilities to be able to um, uh, predict what might happen next or uh, under a range of different scenarios. Yeah, we see this day in every day with our work as we get to work with communities all around Australia at the grassroots. And you're absolutely right. The data will 
be available and, and it's extremely useful from federal, state, local governments, the corporate sectors sharing data into local communities for place-based decisions, NFPs, of course, and all of those collaborators working together to make decisions in place, to understand context, and then to design what that future will look like that is data-informed and data-driven. And to the point of capabilities, it's very interesting the appetite and hunger for people in communities to understand data, to use data and to be data literate but capable. And those are those capabilities that we see and we get to work with people with varied and different skill sets and desires. And one of those is being able to tell stories, as you mentioned earlier. Others are around data engineering and building analytics and developing insights to look at what might come next, as you said, what would the future look like if we made these decisions together? Yet it's a very diverse group, isn't it? Because you've got state and federal policymakers and local council and the ecosystem of partners and not-for-profits and businesses, as well as citizens. Can you talk a little bit about the work in the strategy that supports data skills and literacy to give people agency? So obviously with my particular focus on thinking about the Australian public sector and its use of data, you know, I have a, a starting proposition that just about every person that works with the government um, needs to improve their data capability. And and for, for, for people working in jobs throughout the corporate, not-for-profit sector, in communities, it's, it's hard to imagine that better data skills wouldn't lead to people doing their jobs just a little bit better. And... That goes all the way through, um, you know, uh, in so many different um, aspects of the ways that people conduct their jobs, no matter what they are, you know, from asking good questions of data to argue with the data that's in front of them, to be uh, good leaders of teams, whether they're a data team or a team of non-data professionals. But of course, in addition to all of those general jobs, um, you know, there are a whole range of data-specific jobs which are in more and more high demand, whether they're the analysts, data engineers, and, and perhaps um, continuing uh, my theme, um, the, the, the perhaps underappreciated experts in data management and governance. <laughs> and you, you are right. Um, there is just so much demand uh, for those data skills in the economy. And so it's really important to invest and uh, the strategy does lay out a range of the support that goes into building those skills in the economy and within the Australian public service as well. Um, particularly within the Australian public service, what we've done is set up a uh, data profession, um, which is uh, one of our initiatives to make sure that we're going to continually have access to data skills, um, not, not only to meet our current needs, but you know, our predicted um, greater need for access to those skills going forward. And uh, this stream is part of a larger push to enact cultural change and, and, and move to a thoroughly data-driven Australian public service, one that can take advantage of the latest tools in data and analytics. Um, we're quite lucky to have the Australian statistician who's as the head of the data profession um, uh, for us, uh, and so um, he leads work to lift the capability of the Australian um, public sector workforce um, and to get all those types of um, uh, specialist data peeps that we're going to need. Um, the, the profession itself has a, a range of areas of focus. Um, it looks to create a network so that um, 
the people working in diverse jobs in diverse areas around the country can engage with each other, um, be part of a community and support each other uh, as being part of that community, obviously attracting, retaining and, and growing um, the, the data workforce in the Australian Public Service, um, building the skills of people, um, um, you know, right from very broad data literacy through to very highly skilled data professionals and also building um, mobility into those people who have the right sort of skills that um, could uh, at certain points of time be more valuable in one part of government than another. Um, and all of that takes you know, a fair bit of uh, management and planning to um, mobilise that, that workforce in, in the most effective way. Is this long overdue? It strikes me as well that we are in February of 2022. There's been a need for, for these kind of skills and these capabilities for quite some time. Is this something that government agencies have been backfilling as they've found that need and kind of filled those skills gaps in the absence of this? And how big is this shift going to be for government agencies then as they have this whole new profession available to them within the APS? Just about every job I've had in the Australian Public Service, and you know, I've been in here for about 25 years, I've worked with data teams to generate value, um, put the right sort of data before government so they can make really informed decisions. The volume of data is definitely increasing. The, um, the tools that we have to play with are, are more and more powerful. Um, and the understanding of the value of data um, to make things much more efficient and um, transform the way that um, services are delivered um, is is changing every year as well. So um, it, it's really um, just continuing to take advantage of the opportunity and uh, and really build some strong systems around it. Um, as as we know and and project that um, the the amount of our workforce that is um, is quite data literate and data specialist is just going to increasing increase as a proportion of the of, of our total workforce. I think that's music to Adam's ears because oftentimes in our data work, he often complains about, oh, if only people would understand this better. And he, he probably includes me in that, to be completely frank. <laughs> so this is exciting because we it, it occurs to me that we're in this place where we're, we're shifting. We certainly have the will or all of the stakeholders we've spoken about. We have the will. Australian data strategy is making us more able, you know, more capable in many different ways. And we've only really skimmed the surface on this. So I feel like we could actually go deep on so many things. We could have hours of time to talk about this. And it's also unlocking the allowed part, which is fantastic, opening the gates, building capabilities, and really helping governments and businesses, industry and community use data to drive that uh, value for our economy and society. Do other governments have data strategies, Andrew, and how does ours compare? Other governments do have data strategies, and as you expect, we uh, did look at you know what Australian uh, state and territory governments have done in organising their data affairs and, and, and other countries as well. And, and while each of those um, strategies do vary based on you know, who the country is and, or the state and what their priorities are, they, 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 they do commonly deal with a, a range of issues. Um, most strategies, um, which is um, uh, music to my ears, do have a focus on the need for strong data governance and, and, and data capabilities. Um, 
And most of those strategies, particularly the ones that are you know, owned by governments, really highlight the importance of unlocking the economic and, and social value of data, particularly through initiatives to um, share the, the, the data that's um, managed by the government and, and, of course, to integrate it, which, as we've talked about already, um, generates, you know, um, um, tr tremendous uh, opportunities. And, and, and all of those, as, as we've mentioned today, you know, are, are, are topics that appear through the Australian data strategy. I, I think it's also important to note that um, many other countries, uh, a bit like um, Australia, um, have a data strategy that's supported by a corresponding digital strategy, which, you know, at least as it relates to data, sort of recognises the importance of safe collection, storage, maintenance, exchange of information. And there is obviously just some, such an important relationship between um, data and digital, where, you know, data is the lifeblood of, of digital systems. And so the Australian data strategy sits within the, the, the broader digital economy strategy. We also looked at how other countries had had um, designed their strategies uh, in communication um, across the economy and with interested parties, and um, uh, we we designed the consultation process for this Australian data strategy um, uh, in a pretty similar way to how the United Kingdom um, uh, approached uh, their data strategy. Um, uh, so that there was a great opportunity for uh, public engagement with the strategy itself. So it's launched and that consultation period is, is I think, wrapping up middle of this year, 30 June. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So what the government did was release the strategy as a, a living document and uh, we are welcoming submissions through a smart form. Um, we, we, uh, we can share the website, I'm sure, but it's... Um, ausdatastrategy.pmc.gov.au is the web address for people to go to. So people can see the strategy there um, and they can also tell us what they think about the um, strategy. And, and we have that process open until the middle of the year. And then what we'll do is um, uh, take some time to absorb what we hope is a lot of feedback um, and look to update the strategy towards the end of this year. Uh, and then um, uh, uh, have that strategy in place until about 2025, when by which time it'll almost certainly need another update, just given how rapidly uh, the data world changes. Um, so I really uh, do encourage people to reach out, read the strategy and, and tell us what they think. Um, also, at that website, there's a, a, an email address for people to get in contact with us. And if people want to... Um, not do the web form, but engage with us in other ways. Um, we're really keen for that as well. We genuinely want to have a good conversation with what the strategy is all about. That's fantastic that you're opening it up to so many people to have that conversation with you. And for all of the folks and our listeners who know about our work, we're really delighted that the Maranooka and Palame platform was highlighted as a case study in the strategy and talks about the role of intermediaries such as us to facilitate data sharing at the local level so that, of course, people can make decisions on that and get better outcomes for the work that they're doing. And really the work in Burke is a lighthouse project for how grassroots data sharing can drive an outcome 
for not only improving lives, but also for making services more efficient and uh, ultimately, you know, stripping costs out of, in that case, the criminal justice system. Andrew, what do you see as the role of intermediaries like us uh, to fulfil the vision of the Australian data strategy? I mean, there are just simply so many opportunities presented by data and you know, the Australian government um, has a range of priorities um, and you know, areas of attention. And, you know, there's only so many areas that we can go to, um, you know, within the resources we have. But, but I mean, the, the tr- tremendous value of data is, you know, it's non-rivalrous. Um, just because we're consuming it um, doesn't mean that others can't consume it and generate great value from it as well. And so it is wonderful, um, you know, consistent with what I've been saying about, um, you know, the need to open up access to data, um, share that data in safe ways so that, you know, all sorts of entities, including intermediaries like yours, can generate value, um, uh, which is what, what we really want from data overall. Terrific. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, look, I think it's been a wonderful conversation. I uh, just really encourage people to have a look at the strategy and let us know what they think and really looking forward to continuing the conversation with many people. It's been wonderful having the opportunity to have this discussion with you today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you and congratulations on the strategy. We are very excited as all of the communities we get to work with and the not-for-profits, government agencies all over Australia really on board with uh, making best use of what the strategy lays out. Fantastic, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. This is Christy. And this is Adam on The Foil Podcast. Check us out on www.thefoil.ai and follow us on all the socials. Share this podcast out to anyone you think might be interested in what we, our guests, have to say. Let them know what we've got coming up. See you next time.